You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Right on, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Hall. The hits principle is corny, old-fashioned, and all that. But you know what? These guys are buying in. And Dan Weeder. I get criticized all the time for being negative in my coverage of the Chicago Bears. And I tell people, again, it's my 10th season. I have covered one winning season and zero playoff victories. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to Take the North podcast. At Take the North Pod on your Twitter machine. I'm David Haw, along with Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune. It is week one, Sunday on the lakefront, the game we have all been waiting for. Bears 49ers. How prepared do you think the Bears will be, Dan, in Matt Eberflus's first game? What are you expecting? Yeah, well, I'm expecting that the energy that the Bears have been feeling through the month of August into the early days of September should carry over at least into the start of that game on Sunday afternoon. There's really positive vibes coming out of Hellas Hall. We will learn how much those are worth as we go forward. I can tell you I have my own positive vibes. And my favor that I'm going to ask of you is that we retain some of this juice that we have in week one if we get to week 11, week 12, and we're in the bit of a grind season as we've experienced in this city that we can keep our uh, energy levels up. But there's a notable excitement that the season is here, right? That's present through all 32 buildings everywhere, but there's just something uh, I think fun for this team in this new era under this new coach to test things out. And so we'll see what they got on Sunday. It is a lot of fun and we will continue uh, that enthusiasm throughout the year because look, (laughs) we're going to be undefeated. (laughs) No matter what happens, uh, we're going to be unbeaten through 17 games. Uh, yeah, we're already 8-0, right, on the podcast? Exactly. (laughs) We're 8-0. So episode nine, going to set up today's show. Um, obviously, we're going to look at the Sunday's game and some of the big storylines. We're going to make our predictions. We're going to look at some projections for the season that you have mathematically deduced and looked at us kind of over-unders with some fun that we've had on Twitter as well. And also, we're going to talk and continue our conversation about the team presidency vacancy that Ted Phillips retiring at the end of this year and what some of those qualifications will be for his replacement And let's start, though, with Sunday. Game one, this is a matchup between two teams with second-year quarterbacks taken from the same draft. And obviously, a big source of conversation this week, Dan, Trey Lance went to the 49ers. They moved up to get him. He was the third quarterback taken. Still on the board, the quarterback opposing the 49ers on Sunday, Justin Fields. He hasn't forgotten either. 
Well, he hasn't forgotten, but he also made it very clear on Wednesday afternoon that it's not something that motivates him, right? That the 2021 draft is so far in his rearview mirror that it doesn't matter to him anymore, that it's now his opportunity with the Chicago Bears to prove that he can be a star quarterback. And I appreciate Justin's grounded approach to that. You know, in the back of his head, he understands. And it was Darnell Mooney who told us a week ago that he was going to make the 49ers pay, that that Fields was going to make the 49ers pay for passing him over. Justin downplayed that, but he downplayed it in a way that I think exemplifies how immersed in the moment he is and how he understands that you have to be present in order to reach the goals that you ultimately hope to achieve. And so I thought it was refreshing from Justin to, to kind of sidestep that storyline in a, in a graceful and, and in my opinion, candid way. Totally unscientific, totally uh, based on, you know, things that we haven't seen yet. That's part of the prediction business. Dan, I think that Trey Lance is positioned better than Justin Fields to succeed this year. I think he's obviously on a, t- on a roster that is more playoff caliber. It's yeah. deeper. It's more talented. That said, I think Justin Fields is going to have a better season than Trey Lance. I think there are uh, reasons why I believe that, maybe because of where they came from in college and their respective skill sets. They're very similar in terms of their athleticism, their explosiveness, and how dynamic they are with the football. But I just believe that Justin Fields, based on what we saw last year, has some room for growth in 10 games. We saw that. But I just think that because it's he's he seems more NFL ready. We saw that last year. And I think that's going to continue because of the Lugetti offense. But I'm going to say that Justin Fields is going to have a better season than Trey Lance. See, David, these are the types of clips that our producer, Adam Stadzinski, has to make notes of in September so that we come and and do our year in review episode at the end of the year in January or February. We can say, was David right on the money or was David way off, right? And we'll make a bunch of those predictions as we go. Uh, but, but look, like this is cool on Sunday because these guys are both playing in very similar offensive systems, right? It's from the, the Shanahan tree. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan knows the Shanahan tree as well as anyone. And so you've got these these two quarterback friendly offenses that should set young players up to succeed and be comfortable, as we've talked previously. But to your point, the 49ers, in my opinion, particularly as it relates to week one, have more established around Trey Lance, right? They've got a, a play caller in Kyle Shanahan who's done this for a lot longer than Luke Getze has. They've got a receiving core led by Debo Samuel that is more proven than what the Bears will take to the field on Sunday. They've got an offensive line that is sturdier. They've got a reliable running game, right? They've got George Kittle, maybe, right? We're going to have to keep an eye on George Kittle's groin. I know that was not on your to-do list for the week when it started out to keep an eye on George Kittle's groin throughout the week. But that's going to be something that is obviously a storyline that could help Trey Lance or not hurt him. But look, it's a, it's a good, fascinating week one matchup between two young quarterbacks and potential future faces of this league. And, and we'll be right there to watch it. I'm going to ask you what you think about this uh, in terms of the whole captain discussion, because yeah. obviously Justin Fields became one of the four permanent captains all season long. Matt Eberflus made that announcement earlier this week. Meanwhile, out in San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan was pretty transparent in acknowledging that Trey Lance finished seventh and they only named six. <laughs> so, Dan, I don't want to make too much out of this. I kidded about it on the Mullen and Haw show. I think that gives Matt Eberflus uh, a step up right now. He's already out coached Kyle Shanahan uh, <laughs> before the game even started, only because whatever the, the tally was, whatever the ballot showed, it, it's in everybody's best interest for the Chicago Bears to identify and view Justin Fields as the captain of this offense and this football team. Whereas if you're Kyle Shanahan, 
Already you've brought back Jimmy Garoppolo. He's your backup. Already yeah. you're looking at a, a, a confidence uh, de- deprived or deficient uh, starter in Trey Lance. Now you've given him another reason to doubt where he stands in that locker room. I think that was a mistake. Do you think that's making too much out of nothing? Look, it's never a great sign when your starting quarterback is not one of your captains. I don't know how many teams in the league that have permanent captains have a situation where their starting quarterback isn't one of those guys, right? And so that is a, a reason for pause and a reason for concern if you're the 49ers because you you really want that guy to be a driver, right? We talked about it with uh, Jay Cutler during his time here that you have to be in that role as a starting quarterback, a hub of energy for the entire locker room through thick and thin, through good times and bad times. And, and, and if guys can't go to their starting quarterback and see him as one of the true leadership sources, you've got some uphill issues to climb. Now, what will it mean on Sunday? I'm not sure. What will it mean for the 49ers season? I'm not sure, but I think you're right in getting out your highlighter and, and highlighting that point because it's certainly not a great thing for Trey Lance as he gets going in, in his first season as the, the week one starter. Anything else surprise you or stand out about the Bears captains being Robert Quinn, Roquan Smith on defense, Cody Whitehair, Justin Fields on offense, and David Montgomery as the first of the rotating honorary captains? Not surprised, but I would say that it's certainly notable that Roquan earned this designation given how his training camp started, right? And when you miss right. 15 practices and 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 close to uh, you know three and a half weeks of training camp because you're in a hold in, you know that's not necessarily what the team is asking you to do in terms of modeling behavior you'd like to see from those around you. At the same time, Roquan's ability to get that vote from his teammates tells you how he's seen in that locker room, tells you how he's valued when he's on the field. And so I think it is notable. And Ryan Poles talked to us last week about Roquan's ability to, to compartmentalize the business stuff and separate it from the football responsibilities. Roquan's obviously done so in a way that has impressed his teammates. And so he'll have an entire season in that leadership role. And, and it's his, uh, his opportunity to do something with it. A couple other notes from this week in preparation for the 49ers. Curious what you thought about <laughs> and just overall – the Bears have 15 rookies and yeah. on their 53-man roster. And on one, on one hand, you're like, oh, God, there's 15 rookies. And the, any team that has 15 rookies is going to be one of the worst in the league. And we understand that perception. And certainly nationally, that's been the opinion, prevailing thought about the Bears. On the other, I look at it as not a huge surprise, Dan, because whether the rookies or first or second year players, what you want when you have a, a collegiate approach like Matt Eberflus and his coaching staff have taken is that you want a buy-in. You want a total and complete buy-in. You're more likely to get that with young players who haven't proven a thing and are happy to be there and want to impress the coaching staff than with guys who might be thinking, okay, I'm going to use this one-year contract as an opportunity to go elsewhere. So I get why they have structured the roster this way, maybe it's coincidence, but I think it's not entirely not by design either. Well, that phrase is written here for a later part of our discussion in this podcast, buy-in, because it's a word that's been coming from the players' mouths in Hallis Hall over the last six or seven days, and I think it's notable in that regard. I think, David, I'll give you some numbers that, that sort of emphasize the point that you're making. The 53-man roster, as the Bears went to their first practice of week one on Wednesday afternoon, consisted of 34 guys who weren't with the team when 2022 began. 15 of those, as you mentioned, who weren't even in the NFL at that point, and seven who joined the team in the last week, right? And so you've got this 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 prime evidence of the major overhaul that's been done by this roster. But I think along with that, what I've felt in the locker room these last few days, this week, is that there isn't that 
cumulative frustration and baggage that came with 2019 and 2020 and 2021 because so many of these guys had nothing to do with that and weren't here for it. And so there's a refreshing restart to this. Listen, when you overhaul the roster to that extent, it also tells you that that you have major issues, right? And, and, and you need to build talent and depth. And people in Chicago should understand that while they feel good about the energy this team has right now, they're going to be under-talented in most games they play. They are probably going to be the underdog on the Vegas line in every game, that, or in most of the games they play, correct? So so it's just about setting your expectations accordingly and understanding what this season is about. And I've said it really since the outset that for this version of the Chicago Bears, this season is about being functional and competitive in a way that sets you up for future success beyond 2022. Last point on that roster uh, situation is that when you have 15 rookies, it's easier, it's easier to teach a team how to win when you don't have a predominance of players who are conditioned to lose. Yeah. And when you have, you know, last year's roster, if you have carryover, if you have residue from all that losing, it's harder to teach a team how to get through adversity when they are so familiarly like the feeling is so like, Oh boy, I remember this. And they kind of become conditioned to, to lose. And that's how you create a losing culture. And the bears are trying to, eradicate that. So well, I think I'll just add on to that because Justin Fields has insinuated several times since the spring that he wasn't necessarily thrilled with the culture that was in the building during his rookie season. And my counter argument to that is, well, Justin, you were playing with a bunch of guys who had experienced 2020 and 2019 and had lost trust in their leadership, had, had, had built up frustration that made them say, here we go again, when the second game turned into the third game, turned into the fourth game, all losses, right? We had these long stretches for three straight years where they, they lost at least four games in a row. And and so, you know, again, like Justin couldn't understand that because he was at Ohio State during those those nosedive years that started for the Bears. But now he's got an opportunity tying it back to the captain's role to help establish the culture that he wants to be the guy that that helps establish this this this, uh, you know, pattern of work habits and cohesion and everything else that they want from this team. So we'll see where they take it here. Uh, obviously, when you're zero and zero, all those feelings can be good. It's a different ball game when you're three and five, three and six, three and seven. So let's see what these guys are made of. Last point before we move on. What is the condition of the Bermuda grass. They have resodded. <laughs> and what condition will it be in on Sunday when Chief Agronomist Robbie Gold and the 49ers take the field? So wonderful point by you there, because how cool is this that the Bears are finally getting a new surface at Soldier Field, and the first opponent they play is a guy who griped about the playing surface for most of his 11 seasons, and justifiably so, but Robbie's input on on this surface on Sunday is going to be fascinating, right? I'm going to be interested to watch him kick in the pregame, interested to potentially talk to him postgame and figure out what he thinks of this. I'll tell you, his counterpart on the Bears, Cairo Santos, is super excited to be kicking on this Bermuda grass, to be able to, to have better footing hopefully to be able to see more of the ball to not have to worry so much about all the landmines that are around the football field when you're going out to kick a ball you hear nothing but positives from players in the bears locker room right now about switching to a surface that's going to be shorter right hopefully it can it can be durable and hopefully it can withstand for for much of the season but matt eberflus told you on, on wednesday afternoon that he's eager for this team to play on a faster surface 